Amen. Sometimes you need people to grab you from the back seat. So maybe that'll happen to some of you today in the sermon. I don't know. We're, uh, we're continuing our series through the book of Proverbs, and today's uh, topic is work ethic. And so maybe, maybe some of you are like, yeah, preach it, and some of you just got really nervous. I don't know, I don't know where you, you tend to be. Uh, but in the book of Proverbs, uh, work ethic is brought up in over 20 verses. Uh, that is as much as anything in Proverbs. So this tells me there, there's something to this. There's something to, to be taught uh, as far as everyday living, uh, practical living, and how we can hear the voice of God and apply it to our lives. Um, my desire today is you may fall into one of two categories. Maybe you consider yourself a hard worker. And, and if that's the case, I would love to give you possibly a different reason to work as hard as you do. And not a different reason, but to just check to make sure you're working um, fueled for the right reasons and in the right direction. And if you're an individual who maybe tends towards uh, slothfulness or laziness or you're not a real self-starter or motivator, uh, my desire is to, to perhaps give you something that I think God has given us that could motivate a change in that. And it's not simply just going to be, hey, work harder. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with vision. And so, um, if you would, let's pray and ask God to just really fill this place. Lord Jesus, I praise you for your word. I praise you for your revelation and the manifestation of uh, really God to us in the scriptures and ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ that uh, we sit here, we stand here. Uh, and if we have exercised faith in you, God, you have forgiven our sins and your Holy Spirit has taken up residence in us. And so, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would be uh, expressed through our life, that it would speak, that it would give us understanding, and that it would be the power to apply all that we know uh, today. We love you. We praise you. We ask that you uh, make much of yourself and that our heart posture would be of deep humility and thankfulness to you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. came across this quote that I enjoyed a lot. James McDonald says, You can't work too hard you can work too much. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says in 9.10, he says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. Whatever you find yourself doing, do it with everything that you got. And the Proverbs verse that we're going to focus on, uh, at least start with, is Proverbs 13.4. And many of these Proverbs that we're going to grab, including this one, are going to um, compare and contrast a sluggard and the diligent. So Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So you have these two individuals with two souls, and they're defined by a characteristic of their work ethic. A sluggard craves and gets nothing, and the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Now, we're going to try to balance this idea of the, the tendency in America oftentimes is to work too much or for a lot of us. And so 
Uh, you get this uh, workaholic as a mom or a dad, and they're absent from their relationships and their families. And this is, is common in our culture. And so we all strive for this idea of success or these riches and things like that. And so when we're talking about work ethic today, uh, I in no way want to propagate uh, that, that idolatry of working too much. But I really do believe that when we work, we need to work hard. And so in summation, you might even say, I want to be so in tuned with God's voice and God's will and God's ways that I know what I'm to apply myself to. I know what my yes is supposed to be, but when I do say yes to something, I give it everything I got. Which means I also need to know what I'm going to say no to. Because you can't give it everything you got to everything. It's impossible. And so uh, run the risk of promoting, I hope not, uh, idolatry. Uh, and that's why we're going to focus on why we work. Uh, but but h- help me reason through this with me and, and see if you can follow, follow the scriptures as they kind of differentiate between a sluggard and, and the diligent. And sometimes we find ourselves in each camp. Uh, sometimes I work really hard for the wrong reasons or in the wrong areas. Uh, when God's saying, no, no, you're not supposed to be over there, you're supposed to be over here. And other times, I'm very lazy in areas where God wants me to really apply myself. Uh, so we're going to try to find that, uh, you've heard me say it before, uh, work hard, play hard, and rest well. And so we're going to try to capture all of that today in our sermon. Proverbs 13.4, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. The word sluggard, at cell, means slothful lazy, unwilling to work or use energy, inactive. A sluggard lacks foresight. A sluggard costs others. A sluggard doesn't start things, and a sluggard doesn't finish things. A sluggard knows everything, yet acts on nothing. A sluggard takes from society and costs society. They are a burden to others. Compare that Contrast that with the diligent. Sharut. It means determined. Literally, it means sharp or sharp-pointed. And what I take that to mean is it's, it's very directional, it's very specific, it's very intentional in that it's sharply pointed. Characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic effort. It's persevering application with attention and care. So you think of that sharp-pointedness. There's, there's, there's energy and, and application and effort, but it's very pointed. So there's attention and there's a care to where you put that sharp tip. The diligent gives and adds to society. They contribute. They relieve or bring freedom or give joy to others. And like most things in Scripture, most things in the Bible, most things in our life, God is very interested and focused on the relationship. First the vertical, but also the horizontal. And so when we're thinking of our work ethic, I think it's important to think of how does my work ethic affect other people? And the Scriptures will pull out that laziness causes burden and negatively affects those around me where hard work and diligence brings relief 
and benefit to those around me. You might say diligence is basically hard work and smart work. Hard work is the effort exerted. Smart work is the intentionality. Another way to say it would be exert yourself with intention and direction. To be a diligent person is a person who exerts themselves with intention and direction. Listen to Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Because again, if you're one who has no problem exerting energy, uh, these things, these scriptures help us recognize where that energy is supposed to go. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So there's a couple, lot of different messages we could pull out of this, but one is we have an allotted amount of time, and it's always passing, so use your time wisely. So that's why we need to understand and recognize and have our ear in tune to God and probably open to others to know, is this a time where I'm to simply relax and entertain myself? Is this a time where I'm to apply my efforts and my energy to hard work? Is this a time where I'm to rest? Because you don't get time back. And so we want to make the best use of our time. And this is talking about the intentionality of our time, recognizing that we all have something to do, and I can waste that, or I can say, God, here I am. What do you want me to be about right now? And in submission to God and His will and His ways, I think then He gives us some direction People can give us some direction, and then once, you, once you're aimed in a direction, you go hard. A rhinoceros runs 30 miles an hour, give or take, and it can only see 30 feet ahead of them. That's why they call it a crash of rhinos, right? But there's something I love about that, is because if aimed in the right direction, they just roll. And God gave them uh, the, the proper body to do it that way. I don't suggest we all do those kind of things. But this picture and this idea is if we are pointed in the right direction, you don't always have to have the full picture ahead of you. You don't always have to know the end result. But you can know, you can go hard in the direction that God has guided you. Now to know that, we got to have our discernment trained. We one have to have the heart posture of submission as Jesus did to the Father, not my will but yours. And we have to have our ears trained to hear his voice. Scripture says that discernment, knowing right from wrong, knowing north from south, knowing direction, is trained. Now, when thinking of work, uh, it, it, it falls into a category I call, uh, I guess, the doctrine of tension. Um, and what I mean by that is while we're on this earth, uh, the Bible says that in Christ I am complete, but being completed. It says that uh, my spirit and my flesh wage war against each other. There's always this tension that uh, even though there's such beauty in people and in the world, there's also such evil. I've tasted the goodness of God, but yet I haven't fully experienced that banquet wedding feast in heaven. And so there's, there's these, these tensions that take place while we're on this earth, and work is one of those. Uh, and here's, here's why. Jesus, uh, God... The Holy Spirit, as they created the world, they created work. And before sin entered the world, before brokenness entered the world, before the fall of man, 
God created work, so there is a good to this. Genesis 1, 26 and 2, 15 says this. Let them, meaning man and woman, let them have dominion over all the earth. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And then we know once sin entered the world, this is what happened. Uh, Genesis 3, 17 through 19, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you, your choice, your sin. In pain you shall eat, it of, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. So we have work that was created by God and was a good thing and a part of the world before sin. But once sin entered the world, work became wearisome. Work became difficult. Work became hard. And in some ways, work took on at least a flavor of futility, meaning it's never going to come to an end. You will always have a to-do list, in a sense. And so we do have this tension with our work. In many ways, the book of Ecclesiastes captures our own experience regarding work. See if you can relate to this. We see joy in it, and we see pain, often in the same day. We experience purpose in it, and futility, often within a matter of seconds. Ecclesiastes reminds us that we don't yet live in paradise. We live in a broken world where things aren't often as we want them to be. And so most of the time when we talk about work, again, you get this kind of, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's usually not just hip, hip, hooray, right? Uh, but I think we can start to, in some ways, redeem what the purpose was, redeem what is behind that as before the fall. Now, we're never going to get outside of the curse, but I think our heart and our mindset is like many things in Scripture. We, you aim for heaven, and oftentimes you get earth thrown in. You aim for earth, and you miss both. And I think it's real similar by how we approach our work. So point number one, I suppose, when we're thinking of evaluating our work is our work is to be unto God. Where when you apply yourself, whatever it is, maybe you're thinking right now of of your specific job or occupation. Maybe you're thinking about what you're going to do uh, this afternoon when you don't have to report to work, but you have work around the house or uh, whatever you're going to do. But whatever's in your mind, whatever you find yourself doing, It says, do as unto the Lord. So he is to be our audience. He is to be the one that I am serving and living for. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8, Paul pulls this out. He says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. And respect them. Respect those people in authority over you. With the sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. So many times we do have people who work very, very hard. But perhaps in their job they work hard to get rich. Perhaps in their job, they work hard to feed their insecurities. So if they can work hard and have success, now they matter. They work hard to fill a void. They work hard for power or to seize control. So the hard work is great, but the fuel behind it, the motive behind it is oftentimes feeding idolatry. Now this says, if we work as unto the Lord, you think about, if you think 
that God is the audience. God is the one sitting there in the grandstands watching you, whatever you're doing, and he's delighting and cheering you on. Uh, you're not going to go half-hearted. You, you'll give it everything you got. But this way, recognizing that God is the one who also rewards you, we don't always get to know what that looks like. He may reward you with success. He may reward you with riches. He may reward you with um, even human recognition. And all those things are fine and are good. And if he chooses to reward you with that, praise God, amen. But is that the reason? Is, is that the void that you're trying to fill? So let's make sure that when we apply ourselves, we apply ourselves towards the right individual. We have the right audience. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men. Heartily means often is translated to soul. So it's this idea of whatever you do, work with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with every piece that you have to bring to the table. As to the Lord, not to men, knowing that it is from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. For you are serving Christ. So this basically gives us an audience, regardless of what you find yourself doing, we're to do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. And then the second part that we're going to talk about a bit is work hard in your relationship with God. There's many people that I think they want to, they want to warm themselves close to the fire of God. They want some of the benefit and some of the blessing that uh, supposedly comes from knowing God, but very, very scared to get into the fire. And in a lot of ways, I am as well. Because to jump into the fire is, uh, is killing self. But you recognize when you jump into the fire and you are consumed, it changes everything about you. And I know a lot of Christians that they have just enough religion to make them miserable. They have just enough religion to cause guilt and shame uh, and everything like that, but not enough where the Holy Spirit is released in their life where they experience freedom. Grace... And the freedom that it brings can produce incredible industry. Grace produces incredible works. So am I, are you applying your heart and your soul in your relationship with God? Jeremiah 23, 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And most of us know New Testament um, in the Gospels, Mark 12.30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God. This is the number one commandment, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Hopefully we know and hopefully we proclaim at this church that by grace you are saved, not as a, but as a free gift from God, not as a result of your works. But it's an interesting thing to know that I have entered into relationship with God. I have been born again. I have received the Holy Spirit totally, completely free. And there's nothing I can do to get outside of that. And I don't have to continue to work to receive that love. But I have been given that gift, I have been given that grace in order to equip me for good works. So your works don't save you, the actions of Jesus Christ have. 
but when you are saved, it's for the purpose to be about his business and to express God in your life so that he, people might see your what? Your good works. And glorify who? Your Father who is in heaven. Saved by grace for the purpose of good works. There's incredible rest in working when you recognize who's doing it. Okay, so we have this idea of sowing and reaping all throughout the Proverbs that talk about uh, what happens to a sluggard and, and what he gets and what a, a diligent or hard worker gets. Discipline, then, is remembering what you really want. And this is the part that I want to give you some vision. I want to give you some, it's not just, hey, I've got to start working harder. There's ways that I think there's things to keep your eyes on that will promote that. Discipline is remembering what you really want. One definition says, it's a training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental and moral character. Self-discipline, the ability to control one's feelings and, overcomes one, and overcome one's weakness, the ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite a temptation to abandon it. How many of us ever struggle with this? We know what the right thing to do is, but uh, I don't have the self-discipline. I don't have the self-control to carry it out. And so I keep failing. I keep failing. I think one thing that's going to help us become people of self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? You have it. If you're a Christian, you have it. It's hanging in your closet. You just got to put it on. Okay, you have self-control. You have the ability to be a disciplined individual. And the thing that uh, has, has helped me a ton is this idea of remembering what you really want. Recognizing that I am made in the image of God, and God works. And when you think of why does God work, God works to create. The essence of work is creativity. So whether this be creating a painting or whether this be working at home to create an atmosphere for your family, or whether this be working at your job to create a product, or working at your job for means of financially providing experiences for your family, start to see not just focusing on the act of working, but the product of working. Where you think of God as the ultimate creator, the ultimate creative, and he has placed in each one of you this desire and really this need to create. Well, guess how creation comes? By applying your skills, by working. You were, well, let me, let me back up. We'll, we'll add, add to that a little bit later, hopefully with some practical examples that will fuel some hard work in us, but one of the things that I think is, uh, important and a great change is how many times when you're thinking of your self-control, your self-discipline, is it, I should go to the gym. Uh, I should read my Bible. I should set my alarm to go to church. I shouldn't watch this fourth episode and stay up late of Netflix, so I can set my alarm and go to church, right? Over and over and over, we get these, I should do this, I should do that. Most of us already know, if I said, how many of us you think we should work hard? Everyone would say, yeah, we, we already know where to work hard. Most of us would say, I'd love to, to be self-disciplined. But yet, we get into these modes of, 
feels a little bit like slavery, and oftentimes it can lead to legalism when we're saying, I should do this, I should do that, I should do this, I should do that. And many times you see over and over again, you don't, you don't follow through. Well, what if we change our language? What if we focus on what we're trying to create? What if we, remi- what if we remind ourselves what we want? So instead of, I should go to the gym, I want to be healthy. Therefore, I'm going to go to the gym. Instead of, I should read my Bible, what if it's, I desire to know God. Therefore, I'm going to get in the Word. I want to be used to love other people. So I'm going to get up and go to church. It can feel very, very different in the way that you're speaking to yourself. And now I think we're focusing more on the product of our work or more on creating than we are on the actual work itself. Because you're not the only one who feels really mundane when you're just doing that, doing the dishes or sweeping the floor for the 18th time, those kind of things. I had a guy tell me one time when my kids were really little, he says, you want to change the world? You change the world one diaper at a time. And that's good stuff. Because there is a purpose to everything that we do. There is a purpose to the smallest tasks. Because the smallest tasks are a part of those dominoes that are creating something bigger. So maybe you see your job as very, it's, it's easy to see the fruit in it. Maybe you can't. Maybe you see your work uh, with your kids or with your spouse or with your aging grandparents or aging parents, and it's just, it can get really, really mundane. And again, this is the tension where day to day that stuff is mundane. But when you recognize all of this is doing something, and all of this is for something and for someone. It adds purpose. And when we have purpose, it tends to give us energy, right? You tend to see and you can tend to dig deeper and say, I can do this. But if you get too locked in on the act, it can be a little bit discouraging. So continue to remind yourself and ask yourself, what am I creating here? Now the next step is to apply wisdom to that and to apply submission to God's will is what I'm trying to create in line with God's heart. Because there's many, many times in my life I'm trying to build my kingdom. I'm trying to create more for me. And I need to check that. But to begin to ask yourself what you're trying to create, I think will bring all those things through kind of that funnel of of checking. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. Having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. You see, the ant, it it doesn't need prodding from the outside. It doesn't need someone always barking orders. The ant takes initiative on its own. And it says we can learn something there. There's a principle of sowing and reaping all throughout the Proverbs. Again, it's the idea that God takes basic life principles and applies it to everyone. He doesn't have to, but he generally does. So Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of the diligent will rule. The slothful will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 14, 4, Where there are no oxen, the manger's clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Saying, yeah, you can have a clean manger if you don't have an ox in there, but you can't eat well. 
if you want to eat well, it requires work. Proverbs 28:19 says, "Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty." So a sluggard basically is one who is always found wanting. It's craving, it's longing. The desire of a sluggard kills him, Proverbs 21:25 says, but his hand continues to refuse to labor. Proverbs 18:9 says, "Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Here's what I think is going on there. Remember the relational component. When I don't apply my efforts and my intention to life, and I'm slothful and I'm lazy, very, very quickly it turns into, I'm still lacking, I'm still without, so I have to have someone to blame. And so generally, I complain with what I don't have, and after so much complaining... I start to looking to blaming, and I usually blame everybody else. And so real quickly, I'm complaining, and I'm blaming, and now I'm entitled. And so now I'm demanding, and I'm demanding you supply me, whether this is love or whether this is a paycheck. And so slothfulness, I think, is at the root of some of this entitlement attitude that we have in our country. It's at the root of some of this always grumbling and always complaining and always looking to blame somebody else's fault. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Think about what that does to relationships. You can't really be too fond of me if I'm always blaming you for what I don't have. It doesn't work that well. If you can, you're amazing. Proverbs 26, 13 through 16 says, the sluggard says, there is a line in the road, there is a line in the streets. As the door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard in his bed. He buries his hand in the dish, but it wears him out to even bring it to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So they're always having excuses. I can't go outside, there's a lion there. And the lion, and they lack the humility to repent and turn from their ways because in their mind, they're wiser than everybody. And so again, this is where slothfulness these people know everything but do nothing, right? I know we're all guilty at some point, but let's not make a habit of this. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, going back to our purpose here, says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. See, there's a lot of people who work harder, a lot of busyness, but they never accomplish anything, at least for the right kingdom, right? So we're not talking about just busying ourselves. We're talking about working hard for God and Him saying, all of that counts. It's never in vain. In Isaiah, when uh, Isaiah is prophesying about the new heaven and the new earth, listen to what he says. My chosen, 